number four. The book of Ephesians chapter four. Let me remind you that there are fill-in-the-blank sermon notes on the chair near you. Please uh, get one of those and uh, hopefully you have a pen there also. Fill out, uh, fill in the uh, blanks. Uh, These are on the eight and a half by 11 sheets for a purpose, and that is at the Lay Pastors Network that we'll talk a little more about in a few minutes. Uh, We're going to be giving you a three-ring binder, those of you that are there. Uh, John Bosman, who will be our teacher, has 70 pages in his that we'll put in those three-ring binders, but I want you to put last Sunday, this Sunday, and next Sunday's sermons in that binder as well. So please uh, fill in the blanks. Please uh, uh, keep these until you receive those binders at the Lay Pastors Network. Amen. Well, my wife is not here this morning. She's on a little trip uh, with her favorite cousin. Uh, My wife has been chastising me big time lately because I've been preaching too long. Not so much in the first service as in the second service. Her chastising has worked so well that last Sunday in the second service, I preached an hour. So it's working really, really good. Aren't you glad you came to the first service last Sunday? Amen. All right. So what I need for you is when she gets back, I want you to tell her, Pastor preached 30 minutes. And I promise you, I will preach at least 30 minutes this morning. So you will not be a liar when you tell my wife, Pastor preached 30 minutes while you were gone. He also preached 31 minutes and 35 minutes and 40 and 45 minutes. But he did preach 30 minutes. So don't tell her all that other. Just tell her, Pastor preached 30 minutes while you were away. And I know that my wife is correct in that, and it is not my desire to preach that long. Uh, you know, I used to preach like Steve, 20 minutes, and then I got something to say, and it took me a lot longer. <laughs> you can only pick on your sons and those that you love. Amen. Pastor Steve does a great job, and uh, I, I, I'm just teasing in that area. But uh, there was a time when I did preach 20 minutes, but that day has been long, long gone. And there's just so much in my heart, so much in my spirit right now that I'm just really having a hard time holding back and pulling it all in. So, But I'm going to do my very, very best today, amen, to do it in about 40 minutes. Can you handle 40 minutes? That's better than an hour, all right? And we need to get started. The book of Ephesians, chapter number 4 this morning. The book of Ephesians, chapter number 4, we're going to begin reading with verse number 11. I'm reading from the New Living Translation today. Paul writes, and he says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Gifts, Paul said. Here they are, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Paul says their responsibility, say their responsibility. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. Well, I guess it ought to still be that way because I don't see the church as, okay, I'll just keep on going. Uh, Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. How many know we're not there yet? Uh, This week I've really found out we're not there yet, all right? Uh, Verse 14, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be uh, influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of of His body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Notice that. As each part does its own special work. 
They do that, then it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Well, this morning we are, we're going to be preaching the second sermon about the lay pastor's network. Father, thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord that is uh, indeed a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. God, I pray your anointing will rest upon the message, the messenger, Lord, today. Father, I pray that you'll give us ears to hear the word of the Lord today. Father, and may we not only be hearers, but may we become doers of the word as well. We ask all of these things for the glory of God. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. And you may be reseated this morning. Well, as I've already stated, this past Sunday I began a three-part series on the Lay Pastors Network. Now let me say that if you were not here last Sunday, please, please order the CD or listen to the sermon online at our website. How many know that you can hear the sermons uh, online at our website? Costs you nothing. So if you miss a Sunday or you want to hear it again, uh, you can just go to the website and hear the sermon. So if you were not here last Sunday, please either uh, order a CD or please listen to the sermon online at our website. You see, I believe with all of my heart that God has an incredible plan for this church. How many believe that this morning? I believe that we are embarking on an incredible journey. I believe that God is taking us someplace. God has been speaking to me recently and in the last few months especially about the future of this church. Much of what the Lord has spoken to me, He spoke to me several months ago and it's just been a, a, like a, a slow burning ember uh, that is just growing and growing and growing and becoming an incredible flame in my heart and my spirit and every single day I am more and more and more convinced that we are on the right track and that we are headed in the direction that God wants us to go. There is an excitement, there is a spirit of anticipation uh, that is beginning to literally boil uh, in my spirit, that is literally boiling inside of me this morning. You see, I believe that everything that has happened here in the past nine years, and it will be nine years in April, can you believe that? Just in a few short weeks, it will be nine years that the Lord brought us here to New Bethel. But I believe with all of my heart uh, that, that what has taken place and happened in the past nine years, I believe this has been a process that God has used in order to position us and get us ready for the future. I'm not saying good things have not happened in the past nine years. I'm telling you some incredible things have happened in the last nine years. Some miraculous, unbelievable, only God things that have happened for us in the last nine years. And yet I truly believe that the best years are ahead for this church. Listen, friend, this is your captain speaking. Buckle your seatbelt. There is a thrilling ride ahead of us, so you better hang on. Well, this past Sunday, I shared with you a new vision statement that I believe that the Lord gave me for this church. If you are not here this morning or last Sunday, if you have not heard it, this is the new vision statement that I believe that God has given us here uh, at this church. And here it is this morning. It's simply caring people, caring for people, caring people, caring for people. For people, this vision statement, I believe, describes the lay pastor's network perfectly, absolutely perfectly. This is exactly what the lay pastor's network is. It is simply caring people, caring for people. 
Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16, Paul gives us a pattern, or Paul gives us a plan for ministry. And Paul says that the pattern or the plan for ministry is the pastor should equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Paul said that pastors should be equippers, or they should be trainers, and the saints should do what the pastors trained them to do. I didn't write that. I didn't make up that rule. I, that's not my idea. That's God's idea revealed through the Apostle Paul. And so this is exactly what we are going to endeavor, endeavor to do uh, in the future through the Lay Pastors Network. That will be the people of the church will be trained and cared for or pastored by the people of the church. Thus, caring people, caring for people. There are six things that I want us to talk about in this second sermon on the Lay Pastors Network where I am simply and merely laying a foundation. That, that that's all that it is. The next three weeks, all three weeks are nothing more than just a foundation uh, to get us ready uh, to, to, to teach and train and implement the Lay Pastors Network. Well, let's talk about six things this morning. The first thing I want to talk about today is the expectation. The expectation. Now, Max Lucado said, the people who make a difference are not the ones with the credentials, but the ones with the concern. Did you hear that? The people who make a difference, they're not the ones with the credentials, but the ones with the concern. During the reign of Oliver Cromwell in Britain, they were running low on silver for coins. And so they started looking everywhere for silver that could be melted down and made into coins. And the place where they found a huge resource of silver was in the cathedrals. They found the silver in the cathedrals, especially in the statues of the saints. Oliver Cromwell said, let's melt down the saints and put them into circulation. That's exactly what they did. Let me tell you, friends, something bad happened to the church somewhere along the line. And what happened was that the saints have been turned into statues who sit like ornaments in the church. But I believe that in the lay pastor's network, we're going to attempt to melt down the statues of the saints in the church, and we're going to place them back into circulation where they belong. Thus, caring people, caring for people. So, in Ephesians chapter 4, the expectation is pastors will equip their people and the people of the church will take care of the people of the church. In 1 Peter chapter 2, the Bible calls all saints priests. Priests. Verse 9, Peter said, you are a royal priesthood. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the saints. He's talking to the people of the early church. And he says, you are a royal priesthood. Now we understand that in the Old Testament, only a select few were called to be priests. In the New Testament, after Christ came, Peter says that all saints are called to be priests. Every single one of us are a part of a royal priesthood. Say royal priesthood. Royal priesthood. 
as priests, there are some things that are expected of us. In the Old Testament, there were things expected out of the, out of the Old Testament priest that wasn't expected out of the average, everyday uh, uh, John Smith. Uh, as priests, there are some privileges that are available to us. In the Old Testament, there were some privileges that, that the Old Testament priest had that the average person did not have. Well, listen, I, I don't have time to get bogged down this morning on point one today. So let me just mention one of many, many expectations of, of a priest. In the Old Testament, the priest's responsibilities included offering sacrifices. It, it included maintaining the house of God. Uh, it, their responsibility included performing religious acts of service. And only the priests in the Old Testament were allowed in certain parts of the temple. Only the priests in the Old Testament, only the priests were allowed to perform the sacrifices. But friend, not so today. Not so today. We are all priests. We are all priests. Through Jesus Christ, we all have access to God. You, you, you don't have to call the church and get pastor to pray for you. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's important too. And we do that. But you don't have to ask the pastor to pray for you. You don't have to ask some priest to pray for you. How many know that you have direct access to God through the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. In the Old Testament, an animal was called for to be a sacrifice. Today, we are called to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Paul said that in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. As a part of this royal priesthood, all of us, say all of us, all of us, not just professional full-time clergy, but as a part of this royal priesthood, all of us as God's people are expected to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. We say, Pastor, what does that mean? Well, that simply means that we offer ourselves to God on the altar of consecration. We offer God all of ourselves, all of who we are as well as all of who we are not. All of us, all of us, that, 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 that includes all of our doubts, that includes all of our fears, that, that includes all of our imperfections. Oh, all of us includes all of our gifts and our talents and our abilities. We allow God to use us, all of us, our strengths as well as our weaknesses. Oh, we allow God to use us to glorify Him, oh, to represent Him, or oh, to present God to people and people to God. In the Old Testament, the presence of God was manifested in a place, the temple. In the New Testament, the presence of God is manifested in people. I remember several years ago in Midland, I had, a, had, had some men that started coming to church. And one, there were a couple of bikers that started coming to church. And they looked like bikers and dressed like bikers. And we welcomed them in. But one of them wore a hat. And he wore a hat and he came in and he sat down and he had his hat on. Well, one of the dear saints, who she was in her 80s, and she was, you know, uh, uh, she had a, a right heart, actually. Uh, had a terrible way of doing things, but she had a right heart. And this is just what she was taught. But she went to this man, and she asked the man, she said, uh, why don't you take your hat off? You're in the house of God. And I loved his answer. He looked at her and he said, ma'am, I am the house of God. 
And she came to me and she said, Pastor, she said, I told that man to take his hat off and he wouldn't do it. I called her by name and I said, well, if you want to get to the letter of the law, maybe you need to get his hat and put it on your head. Some of you don't know your Bible. Amen? Amen. Now, you know, I understand she was trying to say, you know, we need to be respectful in the house of the Lord. And I I believe it's okay to teach and train that. But we also need to really understand this is not the house of God. We are the house of God. Amen. John 14 and 17, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of truth dwells with you and He will be in you. So what is the expectation? The expectation is the saints will be trained by the pastor to do the work of the ministry and to represent God to a hurting and a needy people. Let's talk about the second thing this morning. Let's talk about, let's talk about the example. The pastor is, uh, is there an example in the New Testament of lay pastoring and, and lay ministry? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, The Bible term for it is deacons. It's the example of deacons. The word ministry comes from a Greek word, diakonos. And that may not be the way to pronounce it, but you don't know either. But the Greek word for ministry is D-I-A-K-O-N-O-S. Diakonos, which literally means one who serves. And from this Greek word, we get the word deacon. Deacon. Let's look in the book of Acts chapter 6 this morning. We're going to do some preaching. We're going to do some teaching. We're going to do some meddling. And it's all good. And it's all needed. Sometimes the meddling's the best. Amen. Acts chapter 6 and verse 1 says, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. Whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. And then the word of God spread. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Let's talk a little bit about deacons this morning. Let's talk a little bit uh, about what the the Word of the Lord talks about, about deacons. There there are six things, I believe there are six things here that I want us to to notice in, in this that we have read this morning. The first thing I want us to notice, I want us to notice the problem, number one, is the problem that's found in verse number one, and that is... uh, uh, the church grew to the point where the apostles couldn't meet all of the needs of the church. There were so many people and so few apostles, so few uh, uh, 
uh, full-time ministers that, 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 that the, the job was just overwhelming and there was just no way that the job could all get done just through the hand of the professional clergy, just through the, through the hands of, of those that were full-time in ministry. So there's a problem there. There's too many people and not enough pastors. So the first thing I see is the problem. Then I want us to notice, I want us to notice the priority. Let's notice the priority, and it's found in verse 2 and verse 4. Verse 2, the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, Hey guys, it's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Verse 4, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Notice the priority. Listen, physical needs are important. Physical needs are important. They, they, they were ministering to the widows. They, they were providing care uh, for the true widow uh, in the New Testament. And that's a whole other story. Just because someone was a widow didn't mean they got on the role of the church. Uh, there's a whole criteria that they had to meet in order for them to be a true uh, biblical widow that would be taken care of uh, from the church. And that's a whole other teaching. I taught that a few months ago on a Wednesday night. But physical needs are important to be met. But how many understand that spiritual needs are even more important? And the pastor cannot feed the people spiritual food uh, if he spends all of his time preparing physical food. Uh, if you're going to expect the pastor to do everything in the church, if you're going to expect him to always lock up and, and flush all the toilets on the way out and, 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 and lock up and unlock, and if you're going to expect him to mow the grass and take care of the property, and uh, you're going to expect him to, to, to take care of the maintenance of the church, you're going to expect the pastor to do all of the things that, that, that keeps you know, the, 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 the wheels in motion and keeps things going. He's going to get so bogged down uh, in just trying to get the physical needs of the church man and then when he stands up here on Sunday morning he's not going to have anything to feed you and why in the world even have a church and why even come to church if we have bought if we have tied the hands of the man of God and we have made him so busy uh, with the nuts and bolts of running the church and the nuts and bolts of the physical side of just keeping the thing and the uh, and the machinery in motion uh, that he has no time to pray he has no time to study he has no time to seek God he has no time to hear from God why even have a church amen unless we untie the hands of the man of God and we prioritize and we say that our man, our man of God, it's not that he's lazy, it's not that he can't, it's not that he's too good, it's that we need to be fed on Sunday morning. We need to hear a word from God. And then we need our pastor to shut himself up in the week and hear from God. And we need him to come before us on Sunday morning and declare, thus saith the word of the Lord. So the priority... Priority. Then let's look, number three, let's look at, at the prerequisite. The prerequisite is found in verse number three. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, so we may appoint over this ministry. Deacons, the Bible said, must be men of good reputation. They must be men of good Reputation. The Bible says it's prerequisite. They must be full of the Holy Spirit. They need to be spiritual men. And then they need to be men, the Bible says, 
of wisdom. Men of wisdom. Notice this phrase, verse 3, whom we may appoint over this business. Say this business. This business. What business? This business. What is this business? Well, what is he talking about? (laughs) It's good to kind of look at the past and see what he's talking about here. Oh, oh, I see. Uh, The deacons are supposed to run the church. Because they're they're appointed to the business of the church. Well, no. He said this business. This business. Whom we may appoint over this business. Say this business. This business. What business? This business. What is this business? Well, what is he talking about? He's talking about servanthood. He's talking about servanthood. Taking care of the physical part of ministry in order to free the pastor to have time for study and prayer and preparation so that he can stand before the people and thunder out the word of the Lord. The deacons provided the physical food so that the pastor could provide the spiritual food. And then let's look at number four. Let's look at the process. What is the process? Well, verse five and six gives us the process. The saying pleased the whole multitude. So they chose Stephen and all of these other men. And I'm not going to say those names again. But verse 6 says, Whom they set before the apostles, and when the apostles had prayed, they laid hands on them. So these deacons were first selected by the people, and then they were approved, and they were empowered by the apostles. Huh? Kind of like we do deacons around here, huh? Huh? Any official member of New Bethel has the opportunity of nominating any other official member of New Bethel to be considered uh, as a deacon uh, at New Bethel. That's the way it starts. And it goes from there to the pastor. And the pastor gives them about a three-page questionnaire. And that calls out a lot of people real quick. Because there's some pointed questions on that questionnaire. And they pass that, and, and, and pastor feel good about it. Then he presents it to the nominating committee, which is the pastor and the five deacons uh, that sit on the deacon board of, of, New Bethel, of New Bethel Church. And then through that process, through that process, then when after we pray about it, the Bible said that they selected these men, and then they gave the names to the apostles. And the Bible said, first of all, the apostles prayed. Now, there isn't enough room in the Bible to put everything down. How many know there were probably some names that were presented to the apostles that the apostles did not appoint as deacons after they prayed about it. Just because you nominate somebody, that doesn't necessarily mean that go- their name is going to show up at the, at, at, at the meeting, uh, at, the, at the business meeting and, and given to you to vote on uh, as a body. There is a process that they're going to go through. Amen. You're going to be able to nominate. Then we're going to be praying. We're going to be seeking God. And we're going to be uh, putting our hearts and our minds together. And then we're going to present some names for you uh, to, to vote on. And then number five, and I got to hurry this morning. Ooh, I, I know I'm lying this morning. I'm not even getting started here, and I got so much. Five, the proficiency. The proficiency is found in verse number seven. 
I lied when I told you I wasn't going to preach very long. That's what. I, then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Listen, friend, the growth of the early church changed from addition to multiplication. When did it change from addition to multiplication? When deacons or lay ministry was added. Can you even imagine what could happen in our church if everybody looked upon themselves as a deacon or lay minister? Now let me tell you something, friend. You don't have to be elected to the office of a deacon in order to be a deacon. Did you hear me? I said you do not have to be elected to the office of a deacon in order to be a deacon. Let me tell you that I have had men in the last 40 years of my ministry, I have, been, I have had men who were elected to the office of a deacon before who were not really deacons at all. They weren't deacons. They were on a deacon board, but they weren't deacons because they weren't servants. They sat on a board, but they didn't serve anybody. On the other hand, there are countless, countless true deacons who have never been elected to sit on a board. And yet they are deacons because they are servants. They are deacons because they serve me and they serve this church. On a side note this morning, if, if you nominate somebody for a deacon position, nominate a servant. Nominate somebody who serves. Well, I think if I nominate them and they get to be a deacon, then they'll serve. No, if they're not serving now, they're not a deacon. You know what, deacon? You're not electing a deacon. You're just recognizing who they are. That's pretty good right there. Nominate somebody who's a servant, somebody who serves. Nominate somebody that has the heart and the DNA of your leader and of your church. Let me tell you something. Let me do a little meddling here this morning. Don't nominate somebody just because you like them or just because they're popular or or just because, hey, I got the authority to nominate somebody, so I'm just going to nominate somebody. If you love your church and you love your pastor, you'll fast and pray before you put somebody's name down as a deacon. Because the biggest problem in the church world today, it's not in our church, but in the church world today, is, is the problem of a power struggle between deacons and pastors. And we've had nine years of, of, uh, of, of, of smooth sailing. We've had nine years of, of incredible relationship between pastor and deacon. Let's keep it that way. Let's keep it that way. Love your church and love your pastor enough that, you know what, first of all, if I don't really hear God tell me, I'm not putting a name down. Why would you put a name down if you don't hear God? Good preaching? Good teaching? Good meddling? And let me tell you this also. Look at the man's wife as well as his life. Look at his, look at his wife. What kind of an example is she? Does she have the heart and the DNA of the leader of the church? Talking about the example right now. An example of a lay pastor or lay ministry, lay minister would be the deacons of the early church who assisted the pastors or the apostles in the care and concern of the people of the church. They were caring people, caring for people. People with a servant's heart and an attitude of serving the saints and the pastor of the church. 
Number three, let's look at the third thing this morning. Let's look at the extension. The extension. The deacons of the early church were an extension of the pastor's or the apostle's ministry. I don't know where we got into this. And I corrected it when I came here nine years ago. I don't know where we got into this thing that we think deacons are representative of the body. That deacons are representative of the people. Where did we get it? We didn't get it out of here. Deacons are not a representative of the body. A true deacon is a representative of the pastor. I'm not saying that to whoopee-doo who I am. I'm just telling you that's just the bottom. That's the truth. And that's the problem in most churches today is that most deacons see themselves, well, I've been elected to represent the church before the pastor and bless your heart. I'm going to make sure he stays in line. (laughs) Now, they won't say that, but many have that mental attitude. They do. You've had some many years ago that had that very attitude. We don't have them now, haven't had them. Took care of that nine years ago. Amen. It's been heaven since. Hello? Amen. The deacons of the early church, they they didn't represent the people. They represented the the, the men of God. And as a lay pastor or lay minister, you will be an extension of my ministry. And this is is why that that if you're going to be a a lay pastor or a care pastor, or if you're going to be a deacon, uh, that, that is why you need to capture my heart. That is why it is important that all of us in this church have the same DNA. Listen, listen, my staff are an extension of me. They are an extension of me. And when I send one of my staff members, when I send one of them, they go representing or they go as an extension of me. Well, I guess pastor doesn't love me because he didn't come. He sent Pastor Houston. Guess he don't love me. He didn't come. He sent Pastor Steve or Pastor Brady. No. Here's what you need to understand this morning. Pastor does love me. And he loves me so much that he knew he couldn't do all the ministry all by himself. And so he's chose some other ministers to help him do the ministry of the church so that the quality and the quantity of ministry could increase. You need to understand and you need to say to yourself, my pastor loves me so much that he is now instituting the lay pastor's network empowering and and equipping the people of the church to be an extension of Him so that true pastoral care can be given to every person in the church, not just crisis care. During the Second World War, a small foreign community had in the middle of their town a statue of Christ. And when the bombing came, the statue was broken into several pieces. These pieces were collected and they were stored until after the war. After the war, the people began to to assemble and put the statue of Jesus back together. Well, now now, now there there were a lot of cracks and a lot of imperfections in the statue, but, but, but to them, oh, it was still very beautiful to them. But much to their dismay, it was discovered that that the pieces that made up the hands of Jesus were missing. 
And they had reassembled the statue, but it was a statue of Jesus without hands. And they were about to tear the statue down when someone came up with an ingenious idea. They kept the statue of Jesus as it was, and below the statue of Jesus without hands, a golden plaque was placed that said, He has no hands but ours. Oh, oh, that you and I could grasp this today. He has no hands but ours. And friend, this is what the Lay Pastors Network is all about. It's about you and me. Oh, together we can be the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we can reach out and we can touch people. Oh, caring people. Caring for people. The fourth thing I want us to notice is the excitement. The excitement. Friends, spectating can be fun. Participating can be a whole lot more fun. A few weeks ago, my son and I went golfing. When I got there, he had brought his youngest daughter, Addie, We do that sometimes when we go together. We bring his kids, his daughters with us. And this time he brought Addie with him, his youngest daughter. She got in the cart and rode with Papa and Daddy. About the third hole, she looked up at her daddy. And she said, Daddy, I didn't come to watch. I came to play. She's a little athlete. So from that moment on, every time we got about 50 yards from the hole, we'd throw a ball down for Addie. And Addie would finish out the hole with us for the rest of the day. Friend, coming to church can be fun. Nobody's having any fun this morning because nobody said amen. I like going to church. I really do. Going to church, coming to church can be fun. Being the church is a whole lot more fun. Ministry done in line with your gifts and talents and abilities is fun. Let me tell you something you probably already know, but I love to preach. I love to, I don't understand. I know there's a lot of pastors, they don't like preaching. I don't know why, but I love it. I, I, love, I love to preach. Let me tell you something. I'm always going to preach. Now, right now, I get paid to preach. Can you imagine getting paid to do something you like? Believe me, there's enough drama that goes with it that I pay. I, I earn my salary. I don't earn my salary on Sunday morning preaching. I earn it during the week. I love to preach, and I'm always going to preach. And right now I get paid to preach. But listen, when I'm 80, I might have to pay somebody to let me preach, but I'm always going to preach. Thank God i got a son in the ministry. Son, <laughs> when you were too young, you couldn't preach very good. I'll let you preach. Now the daddy's old, can't preach very good. you got to let him preach. <laughs> Every time we do something good for our kids, I just tell them, remember us when we get old. Yes, 
preaching and teaching is fun to me because it goes right along with my gifts and my talents and my abilities. But listen, friend, I'm not the only one in the church that has gifts, talents, and abilities. And friend, much of the work of the church doesn't necessarily fit into my gifting. But perhaps they fit in your gifting. What if I did what I was good at and you did what you were good at and together we could be a great team? Oh, and then what neither of us could do all by ourselves, we could do it all together. Oh, can you imagine the excitement? Can you imagine the fulfillment that you would have if you were turned, oh, from a spectator into a participator? Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. Paul writes and he says, In His grace God has given different gifts. Say different gifts. God has given different gifts for doing certain things well. I can't do everything well, but there's a few things I can do well. You can't do everything well, but there's some things you can do well. And probably what I do well is not what you do well and vice versa. Amen. Paul said God has given everybody different kinds of gifts. And those gifts are for doing certain things well. Nobody does everything well, but everybody does something well. And God has given different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then Paul says, hey, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. He said, if your gift is serving others, then do it well. He said, if you're a teacher, then do it. and Do it well. He said, if your gift is to encourage others, he said, then why don't you be encouraging? Duh. He said, if your gift is giving, then why don't you be generous? If God, he said, has given you leadership ability, then take the responsibility seriously. Do a good job with it. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, then he said, be kind and gladly do your ministry to others. Number five this morning, quickly. Talk about the extremes. You see, no matter what you try to do, somebody is going to take it too far. No matter what you're doing, somebody is going to take it to the extreme. One of my favorite sayings is, it's not what we do that gets us in trouble, but what we... I don't say it enough because you don't even know it. So don't criticize me for saying the same stuff over if you don't even get it. It's not what we do that gets us in trouble. It's what we... It's what we overdo. Got to hear it another thousand times now. Please tell my critics he needs to say it again because they don't get it yet. One of my favorite sayings. It's not what we do that gets us in trouble most often. It's what we overdo. And that's true in every part of life. It's what we do. It's it's true with food. It's it's true in what we eat. It's true in what we drink. It's it's true in how, how we play. It's true in the risks we take. Well, pastor said we ought to be a risk taker. Yes, yes. But some things are a little risky and some things are just plain stupid to try. Let's talk about the extremes. In the 1960s and in the early 70s, there was a movement some of the older people remember. It was called the shepherding movement. And I'm, I, you know, I know people pretty well and I'm sure somebody, well, it's just, wow. Pastor bringing back the shepherding movement? No. 
But in the 60s and early 70s, there was a movement called the shepherding movement. And I, I, you know, I was just a little bitty boy in the 60s, and, and so I, I don't really know that much about it. But I've read a little bit about it, but no doubt this movement, it probably started out good. What they were doing was probably pretty good. They were probably caring people, caring for people. Priesthood of believers, people taking care of people. Probably how it started, I don't know, probably how it started, probably started out fine and good, and if it didn't, I don't know, so, and I told you I don't know, I wasn't there, I, I, don't, I was too young, I do remember the, the, the phrase and all of that. But no doubt it probably started out right, but it was taken to such extreme, it's like the faith movement. Faith movement was good, with all the doubt and unbelief in, our, in the church, we needed the faith movement. But some people took the teaching of the faith movement from here, over here, Positive confession, that's a whole lot better than the negative confession we had. But they stopped, they, they, they went from, from correct teaching of, of confessing what the Word says to just confessing whatever they wanted. It's not what we do that gets us in trouble, it's what we overdo. And so this shepherding Movement. It was taken to such extreme that, that the shepherd over you, which would be like our care shepherd or, or care pastor, but, 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 but the, the shepherd that was over you, they began to tell the people where to live. They began to tell the people that were under them who to marry and who not to marry and who to divorce, what job to take, what job to quit. Oh, the shepherd that was over them had total authority over their life. Well, the lay pastor's network is nothing like the shepherding movement. Lay pastors, listen, write this down this morning if it's not in your notes. Lay pastors will have people under them to care for, not to control. Lay pastors will have people under them to care for, not to control. Lay pastors will will have people under them to minister to, not meddle. In their personal lives. Minister to, not meddle. Lay pastors will be called on to help disciple people, but not dictate to people. It will simply be caring people. Caring for people. And let me just make you a promise this morning. If any care shepherd or care pastor goes beyond what he has been trained to do, if they overdo, if any care shepherd or care pastor goes beyond what he or she has been trained to do, they will be lovingly, say lovingly, they will be lovingly disciplined. Corrected. If after loving correction, they refuse correction, they will be dismissed. Because it's not what we do that gets us in trouble. It's what we overdo. All right, and then the last thing this morning, if we could get the musicians and singers back in place. 
You know, most jobs, you know, if you work longer, you get paid more. I'm just trying to get a raise, so I'm preaching longer, working harder, working longer. And I'm teasing, okay? Let's talk about the excellence. Excellence in ministry is ministry done right. Ministry done God's way. And how does God want ministry done? God's way is described by Paul in Ephesians 4. It's pastors training or equipping the lay people to do the ministry. God's way is deacons. God's way is deacons in the church. Not somebody with a position, but someone with a passion. Somebody with a servant's heart, passionately serving the Lord's church, using their unique gifts and talents and abilities, strategically placed where they can do the most good for the kingdom of God. I believe that the Lay Pastors Network will be an excellent way of doing ministry. So write this down in your notes this morning so you'll have it. February 17 and 18. Write it down, February 17 and 18. February 17th, Friday night, from 7 p.m. until 9 p.m. Saturday, Saturday, February the 18th, from 9 a.m. until 3 in the afternoon. What is that? That's Lay Pastors Network Training with Dr. John Boston. All you're getting from me is just a foundation of this ministry. I'm just laying the foundation. Say it takes three weeks to lay the foundation. You know how long it's going to get before we can put we get the foundation finished over here? Months. There's much, much planning. There's much, much loops to, to jump through. There's much testing the soil. There's all kinds of stuff you've got to do. It takes take as long for us to say we're building a building and get the foundation laid as it will from the foundation to be done. That's how long the process is and how important the process is. Because if the foundation is faulty, the whole thing will be faulty. I'm taking three weeks to lay an incredible foundation. Then Dr. John Bosman is going to come. He's going to build on the foundation that I've laid. And he's going to train us. And anyone and everyone is invited to the training. And I want you to come. And after the training, we will select care pastors and care shepherds. Who knows, we might need have more than we need. And so you may have gone to the training and and you weren't selected to be a care pastor or care, or a care shepherd. Maybe you'll be a part of the flock under somebody. Don't get your feelings hurt. Amen. I promise you, your time on turn will come. You've already been trained. So if somebody falls out or somebody moves or gets sick or whatever, wow, you know what? They're not, a she- they're not a care shepherd or they're not a care pastor, but they went through the training. They're just a part of the flock under somebody. Oop, there they are right there. Now, if it goes like normal, usually you don't have enough. But we may have more than we need. And don't get your feelings hurt if you're not selected. It doesn't mean that somebody else is more important than you. It just means there are too many slots. And your time will come. And if you go to the training and you, you, you say, well, you know, I don't think I can do this, or I don't think I'm going to be a part of this, you, we're not going to twist your arm. We're not going to make you do a bad job. Because if I have to twist your arm to do it, you're not going to do a good job. Only if you are excited and thrilled about it, only then are you going to do a good job. 
Somebody told me after I preached last Sunday, I was walking out the door and somebody grabbed me and said, I'm on board with you, Pastor. I said, thanks. Now row. I've had people on board with me before. I know what that's like. Did you know that if you're just on board, all that means is you've just added weight to the boat? I saved the best preaching to last. I'm on board with you, Pastor. Good. Now row. Pick up an oar and row. Because you see, I don't just need people on board with me. I need somebody to pick up an oar and row. How about it this morning? How about it, church? Are you on board with me this morning? Are you on board? Half of you are. That's better than average. Are you on board with me this morning? How many of you can get excited about the Lay Pastors Network this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you this morning, not only are you on board, but how many of you by standing to your feet as a pastor, you'll say by standing to your feet, I'm not just on board, I'm not just adding weight to the, to the boat, but pastor, not only am I on board with you, but I'm going to pick up an oar and I'm going to help you roll. If that's you, would you stand this morning? He was afraid not to stand, weren't you? Okay, I'll roar. Boop, boop. I like my, my wife's grandmother. Wife and I, 17 years old, just married, just passing our first church. A few months later, we drive from Winoka, Oklahoma to uh, Montesano, Washington, 2,000 miles. Me and my wife and her grandma and grandpa. Here was the deal, we take their car, we drive, we alternate driving, we alternate, we alternate filling the gas tank. We're going through the desert. Granddad, he's an awesome guy, he's all, they're both dead, they're both in heaven, but they're awesome people, but granddad, he was tight. And we're going through the desert, it's hot. And granddad says, get a mile more to the gallon if you don't use the air conditioner. I said, Granddad, I'm buying this tank. And we're using the air conditioner. If I'm lying, I'm dying. One day, I drove 500 miles myself. 500 miles. We're driving about 700 miles a day. I've driven 500 miles. Grandmother, you haven't driven yet. I'm lying, I'm dying. Grandmother gets under the wheel. She pulls out, sees the next town ahead, 102 miles. She says, I'm driving there. 
And that's as far as I'm driving. That's enough for anybody. I just drove 500 miles. 101 is enough for anybody. I'm on board now. I'll pick up a. I'll roll, but I'm only rolling 101 miles. That's enough for anybody. Goodness. I promise you, when I get through with this, I will not preach this long. I promise. You can throw something at me after about 40 minutes, but I still got next Sunday, okay? In fact, Steve, after about 45 in the second service, throw something at me because I don't need to wear those people out in an hour. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord this morning. I believe that it is indeed a word from the Lord. It is. You have called us for such a time as this. Lord, you are, we, we, Lord, you are taking us somewhere. You are taking us somewhere. Lord, we are... We are on a journey, dear God, and we, we are on a journey. You're taking us somewhere. And Lord, it's, it's going to be an exciting and a thrilling ride. But we're believing you, Lord, for the greatest days and months and years for this church are ahead of us. God, I pray for what is on the inside of me, Lord, what is in my heart that you put there will jump out of my heart and jump into the heart of your people. Help all of our people to get the DNA of their leader in their heart. And when somebody cuts them, they bleed the same DNA. Hallelujah. Can we sing a chorus this morning?